This episode of Bonfireside Chat is brought to you by our Patreon backers. If you head on over to patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv, you can join them and see all the cool rewards you can get for uh, lending us your support. We really appreciate it. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. You're listening to Bonfireside Chat. For the last time, it is a cursed favorite. Yes. And this week, we are reading your responses to the Scholar of the First Sin remake of Dark Souls 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've, we've been recording for a while, so we're going to get right into it <laughs> and uh, finish saying goodbye to uh, the century in the series. Um, <laughs> Joe via Facebook says, uh, uh, what the hell is a Vangarian? It's Varangian. <laughs> Uh, Vrangian, it's based on the kick-ass Viking, Viking, Anglo-Saxon, Viking, it's kick-ass Viking. I know a guy <laughs> who gets you some kick-ass Viking and Anglo-Saxon mercenary bodyguards. They are sleepy but strong. Um, the, of the, uh, the Byz- Byzantine Empire. Um, so yeah, so, so. Sleepy but strong. Is the, the Viking way. Huh. Um, yeah. So 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 yeah, I didn't realize that the Byzantines hired uh you know hired the Saxons and such. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I had no idea. I just I didn't I did wasn't I know how it's spelled. I just transposed two two syllables as as I do. I feel like I'm guilty of that too because I, I, man, so our like lapsing memories of Dark Souls too. I swear that it's not just me like you know slipping like i'm actually doing some weird performance art you know kind of like going hollow and just forgetting everything that i had learned and fulfilling my sole purpose which is to talk into a microphone no matter how inane mm-hmm. it is um I, I i swear somebody called us out on this before for the varangian thing because even in like regular conversation with people i will say vangarian and i think it's because i just want to say your name gary oh thanks bud yeah um <laughs> five yeah, it is, is like how well, I want to kept saying coal mine in the last episode. Yeah. The uh, I I will transpose syllables. Yep. Um, it's not. It's just a thing that I'll do sometimes. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute, you're human. Yeah, I mean, I guess I. Why am I? I don't need an excuse for this. Not that you're like you're not calling me out harshly, but like no. that's all it is. It's not intentional. Yeah. And I know that your call out is in the spirit of correction, not in the yeah. spirit of making fun. For, for, for example, I, I may have knew, known at one time that the Varangians were a Byzantine sect, but uh, now I know it. And I'm going to <laughs> you, I sure as hell can say that I'm going to read that Wikipedia entry. So. Yeah. Yep. And it'll be in the show notes. Mm hmm. Let's Thanks, go to the actual responses. Thank you, Joe, very much. Uh, so Jeremy Greer, our friend, uh, uh, writes in via the contact form saying just a quick list of things I love about Scholar. Number one, only has one cat. Cat is not as ugly as Gary's cat. Mm. maybe this was yeah, in vanilla dark souls 2 as well i think i can't I, remember how this started but it's this twitter thing <laughs> where i make fun of noted fuckwit jeremy greer on twitter <laughs> and he uh, he makes fun of my cat and like the least true thing about my cat yeah like you can make fun of my cat for so many things but he's not ugly no he's he's adorable yeah he's very cute like he's loud Mm-hmm. And he pukes too much, um, like, <laughs> like like your average frat boy. Yeah, he's yeah, but he's beautiful, like your average frat boy. <laughs> um, 
So I don't know where this chuckle fuck gets off. But <laughs> I mean, so as somebody who has seen like the sniping, I always I always took it as a, as casual, good natured ribbing. But um, mm-hmm. I just, just as, as as a casual outside observer, um, I don't know, like making fun of your cat seems like dirty pool. It it is it is like it it feels like dirty pool pool as we to me. It is the, it is the single thing that I love more than anything in the world. Yeah. So that's why that's why he's doing it. Is it's it's my weakness. It's my seeth crystal. Like, and maybe and, I say it's dirty pool because I know how much you love your cats. So yeah, it is, and it, it is. Uh, you know, it's fine. Um, <laughs> like it is good for people who are going to die alone to find things to occupy their time. <laughs> and I'm glad Jeremy has found something for him. <laughs> yeah. Jesus so, Christ! Yeah, take that, Mrs. Greer. I don't. Um, I, I, don't, I, 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 don't, I don't. I don't. I don't want to be in, like. Remind me never again in the crossfire of this because I couldn't handle it. Like, I'm like, uh-huh, that's, that, that's that's funny. And there's dear diary, Gary yeah. and Jeremy are jerks. Well, it, it is an arms race kind of thing too. Like, it is. It is. There's part of me where it's just like, oh, that's really mean. Like, how can I be meaner? And that's not. <laughs> That's not a good response to thing. If only I, I had been coddled by Barney more as a, as a kid. If I was a true millennial, I wouldn't I wouldn't have that that thought of like that's mean. How can I up one up that? But that is my first instinct. Like I'm not proud of it. It's not my favorite thing about myself, but yeah. it's true. It's um, a game. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a game that you both know you're playing. So it is true. It's just at some point we're gonna like hurt each other's feelings. Yeah, and, that's or like you know he's gonna end up coming to Portland, <laughs> and then like I'm gonna just have a bunch of drinks in me, and he's just gonna say something, <laughs> and then it's just gonna be you know uh, you're gonna have to I break up the fight. Like, no. Yeah, mom, no, dad, stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh but can that, that that's only number one thankfully it's the only shot at your cat uh, i appreciate that too number two bashful ray y'all mentioned old br bashful ray in the first scholar episode but i want to talk about some of his behavior he's a ninja and pretty good at dispatching various hollows without much trouble when not in combat though he breaks out his binoculars and kind of looks around the environment what is he doing well maybe the clue is in his name He's a bit too shy to take the levels on uh, on his own. Uh, so like a lot of people, he drops his sign down to get a handle on the level while helping somebody uh, somebody else out. Uh, that way, there's not as much risk from dying as there would be usually. For whatever reason, the NPC summons slash invasions in- introduced by a scholar caught my imagination. Number three, 60 frames per second. Going from the 360 version to the PS4 version was so great. It doesn't really matter that much, but it's the only Souls game that I've managed to play with a solid frame uh, FPS uh, the entire way through, being that I'm, al- that I'm almost exclusively a console guy, especially compared to the lengthy load times and sporadic stuttering of Bloodborne. It, it does run silky smooth. Yeah, it's really good. Like, yeah. it's bizarre to think that I played this on the same machine that uh, that Dark Souls 2 was. So, like, we, we commented on this, um, uh, but saying, like, going from console to PC, Dark Souls 2 was a big step up. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And then from that, from the DX9 to DX11 version, even crazier still. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we didn't, I mean, we didn't mention the frame rate, but that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. So, so, Jeremy, fuck yourself. <laughs> um, Thomas says via contact. <laughs> um, as a fellow white uh, Hayden Knight of uh, Dark Souls 2, I actually went out and picked up Scholar shortly after I finished Bloodborne. Bloodborne was a really fun ride, but I missed the replayability and online scene of Dark Souls 2. I was expecting mostly changes to enemy placement and behavior, and that's pretty much what I got. Good. Just about every time I came across something new, I was shocked, challenged, and amused. My smiles when the mannequins flipped up uh, from the ledges to take my head off was priceless. <laughs> 
oops all pursuers in the Bastille. Um, <laughs> my shock at the ghost battalion expanding their ranks further in the woods was great. The undead soldiers stabbing at the giant trees was a nice touch, but the non-aggressive enemy behavior award goes to my buddy in the Huntsman's Cops jogging his way uh, to even skinnier legs for all eternity. Do you think that's why he hollowed? Just straight up running from the fatties and beanpole torturers all day, every day. And now he can't stop. Less funny, but maybe true. Um, <laughs> on a critical note, I didn't care for the Forlorn very much. There are better invasions uh, that the DLC and Scholar added, and these guys just felt like weaker versions of the Dark Knights. Kind of a bummer. When I saw the box art for Scholar, I figured these guys were going to be crazy tough and lower significant. I think I'd rather have had a few tweaked versions of the Pursuer pop up more often. That's about my only complaint, though. I think anyone who played vanilla Dark Souls 2 will find a lot of surprises here that will make them smile, and new players will find a more difficult and complete experience than those that came before them. 9.5 Pursuers out of 10. This is a great response. I can find something to respond to in every uh, in every uh, paragraph here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like the like the Forlorn, something I don't remember commenting on last time uh, was the fact that there are two models of the Forlorn. Yeah. yeah uh, we, we, we didn't mention that. Yeah. So there's one with the hey, Rors. Um, yeah. yeah. Fuck you, Jeremy. I'm saying, I'm saying that for Gary. Now nah, you're, you're cool. I thank you. Thank you for participating. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but uh, the, the, there's the one with the, uh, the the great sword, and then there's the much harder one with the uh, with the scythe that will break your shield and your armor. Yeah, yeah. Um, we and we talked about it. The thing that I like about the forlorn is the unpredictability. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right as far as the fights; like they're no great shakes. Yeah. So that's for sure true. <laughs> I love the idea that the mannequins are out to take your head. <laughs> yeah yeah and and wear it for them for themselves that's really cool <laughs> nice head i think i'll take it yeah well it's, it's like the the fireys in labyrinth mm -hmm. um, i went and saw labyrinth in the theater again which is like Ooh. bloodborne as shit um for the first for the first part but it also has the fireys which are the weirdest <laughs> weirdest guys yeah. um i how long has it been since you've seen labyrinth uh probably about like 10 years you remember the orange guys mm -hmm. who want to take your head yeah and like they say dark things like <laughs> she's got two ears. She doesn't need two ears. <laughs> like, um, that's that's, a, that's what those things are like. Such a dark movie. It's dark and nonsense. <laughs> but I, I, I still I still love it. It's like really imaginative. Mm -hmm. um, we forgot about the little running guy in uh, the Huntsman's Cops. We forgot to mention that guy. But there's a guy who just runs from you. And you maybe <laughs> didn't see him, Cole, because if he if you uh, tip him off, he will get away from you. Huh. Um, but there's just a guy who runs at like double speed and tries to get away from you. <laughs> And he, it's really comical. He's like, Dilly. like, 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 where's uh, yeah? Like, what's his route? Um, he starts off in that first um area after you get kind of through the first fort, mm -hmm. um, and you go uh, past that first or the second bonfire in the area, and uh, the little crossroads that leads to the purgatory and onto the skeleton lords. Oh wow! And that first area is where he's at. Yeah, I didn't see. Uh, I didn't see him at all. I like uh, a. I like the idea of an undead Forrest Gump. Oh yeah, this cat Ron. Um, yeah. and then once I reached the dragon's area, I turned around and ran back, Yeah, uh, ran back to the iron keep. Um, uh, but also I like the idea, like if he served like some kind of purpose, like as like a, a, like a Paul Revere, like he's the scout. He's like, Hey guys, fresh meat coming in and like ran and aggro that stuff and tip them off. Yeah. Whenever there's a, there's a guy that shows in, shows up the way that he runs and moves and stuff. And I hate that, that I knew this, but back in the day when it first came out, like I watched family guy a little bit. Me too. I'm not proud of it. I don't like that show. I, but there's the I have a lot of good times watching. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it reminded me of is the greased up deaf guy. <laughs> like that, that's what he looks like and how he runs. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's not not my favorite thing, but it is. Uh, <laughs> it's not your favorite thing about yourself that you watched a show back when 
Yeah. Yeah. Back when I was a kid and it was animated, I watched anything. I watched the fuck when I was little, I watched the opposites attract video by Paul Abdul like, <laughs> repeatedly because I had cartoon content. Yeah. That's all I, I saw cool world in the theater. Like I just like cartoons. Guys. That's with that's worse. That's worse than the family guy thing. I it's, it's yeah. It's, well, it's a worse thing. You know, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's more culturally insignificant now. Yeah. Like there's no analog. Like you, you could say, like, I could say like, Oh, this guy seems like he likes family guy a lot. And that says something about somebody. Mm-hmm. If you're just like, this guy seems like he really loves cool world. Like, <laughs> what does that say about them? Like what? <laughs> that's not an archetype. Like, can we make it one? Yeah. Just like, that guy's really sipping on Lakini's juice. He, looks like he loves cool world. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I liked family guy when I was in high school. Like that, like that, that, that was fine. <laughs> yeah, like I, mean, I also watched a lot of fight club. Yeah, you know? yeah, me too. And you know, Red Fury and Loathing in Las Vegas religiously. Like it's 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 all a thing. <laughs> Guys, authors are bullshit, but have you heard about Bukowski? He tells <laughs> what it is. He pisses in a bucket. It's cool. Uh Bukowski was a that that there Bukowski, like this is LA Noir. Bukowski yeah. was uh was more of a college thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, like I just I, I went back and forth. It was like Bukowski and then John Berryman. Like pick I, pick uh, a tone coal for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> I'll pretty much read anything by anyone who shits exclusively in a bucket. Yep. Like, if you can show me some bucket ID, I'm going to read your book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So do you want to tell us what uh, what Sean has to say? Yes. I believe this is you. Yes. Uh, Sean wrote in via the contact form to say, Admittedly, I've not played through Scholar of the First Sin, having only tackled the first few areas. Coming out around the same time of Bloodborne was both a blessing and a curse for those with PlayStation 4s. While it was great to have another solid uh, reason to own a PS4, I simply didn't have the time to dig into two Souls games at once. Even if I did, I found trying to simultaneously play Bloodborne and Scholar to be a difficult experience from a gameplay perspective, as my habit of darting around nimbly in Bloodborne does not translate well into Dark Souls 2, uh, given the much larger stamina cost of rolling and agility investment required to create a similar experience. Regardless, my experience up to the Lost Bastille has been amazing. I don't think From has uh, been given enough credit for how lovingly they redesigned the world and experience of playing Dark Souls 2. Claims of cash grab and other cynical comments fall squarely on deaf ears after experiencing what what was clearly a love letter to fans and devotion uh, to creating truly great video game experiences. The highlight thus far has been No Man's Wharf. I already thought No Man's Wharf was among my favorite areas in any Souls game, uh, and changes made to Scholar only solidified and strengthened uh, that claim. The darkness is now a real obstacle in the level, and protecting the torch-wielding hollow created an objective unique to the Souls games. Uh, The new arrangement of enemies made the area feel totally new, and the placement of the Bastille Jailer on the ship was a small but thoughtful touch uh, that helps the world feel that extra bit connected uh, that makes a huge difference to immersing myself in the world. Once I am satisfied with my time in Bloodborne, I fully intend on returning to Scholar the First Sin uh, and seeing what other delightful changes await me in Drain Lake. Mm -hmm. Well said. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I don't have very much to add to that. That's just... I agree. Yeah. That's, that's uh, how I feel too. The cash grab stuff like drove me nuts. Um, if you already owned Dark Souls 2 on PC, it was 20 bucks <laughs> for Scholar. They give you an upgrade price, which is like really kind of them. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. and, and the, uh, all the patch content and stuff was free. Yeah. Which also made a big difference. Like they just added a new boss fight and, you know, new story stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was just for everybody. So I know it doesn't seem like a cash grab to me. Yeah. Um, it's funny, like people will be so like, Gamers will be so protective of their wallet when I know that, like, you know, when they they will be so mad about so cynical about that stuff. And then at the same time, like, 
there's such a built-in defense against that that's called like waiting a month <laughs> for almost everything. You know, like maybe more than a month, but like prices go down so quickly in games unless things by Nintendo usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when people get so mad about that kind of stuff, it's like you could save this this money a hundred times older over mm-hmm. with a modi- like a, a modicum of patience. Yeah, you know, like you you would you would you would triple your game playing budget mm-hmm. just by chilling out a little bit. Yeah, um, and and <laughs> exactly like a principle is only as strong as you you feel it when it's inconvenient to you yeah (laughs) and so like the fact that there's like that you 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 can't stand that month's inconvenience so you're holding on to it i'm I'm not gonna like throw a shade at somebody who has like legitimate budget concerns and you know they're really excited about this new thing like you know you can you can be upset about it but like to i don't know like just like the 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 fact that it the like that it turns from individual sentiment into like a groundswell that kind of taints a whole thing and kind of like controls the narrative is a little bit frustrating yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, so uh, Take says via contact. Oh, man, it's so good. <laughs> I've never seen an HD remake redone with such care and thought put into it. Sure, from a lore perspective, I'm running around going, wait, what are you doing here? But from a <laughs> gameplay perspective, it's given me the terror of the unknown again. And I love that. Every area so far feels like it's got a new surprise personally tailored just for me. Companies should really look at this as a shiny example of how to do an HD remake. It doesn't apply to all HD remakes, of course, but perhaps they should try to make some functional, uh, something functional of the gameplay improvement, something functional or a gameplay improvement, rather than just make the graphics look pretty. Um, agreed there. I agree. So yeah, it's that's... funny, like something we talked about a lot in the first episode of this, or in the first uh, in the first season of this series, um, was the idea of knowledge compressing space. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's just like a principle, maybe not so much of the design of this. Like there, there, there's a little bit of a notch to that mechanically of, you know, like the, the shortcut and the ever tightening concentric circle of a bunch of these, you know, level designs, things we talk about a lot, but this is a rare situation, like outside of maybe even just like new game plus in dark souls two a little bit where that space has been uncompressed. Yeah. Right. Which you also want, like the, uh, having your space uncompressed like because that that's essentially the the dopamine score you get with the new area in a ways mm-hmm. is that is like oh oh good an uncompressed space mm-hmm. you know and that's what this this gives you yeah so agreed agreed uh let's see your tray writes in via contact saying hello as a fellow Dragoon slash Lancer fan, the change of having the Grand Lance available at the beginning of the game was a very welcome surprise. With my lance in hand, I set out to fight the bosses I knew so well, only to find that the world I thought I knew was gone. There were new dangers around every corner, and finding new threats in areas I thought were safe was an amazing feeling. I had walked these halls so many times, but like going back to the place where you used to live, it felt slightly off. The new enemy placement and movements have the very thing that made me love Dark Souls 1. Every enemy tells a story just by where it is and how it moves. Every weapon placement is important lore-wise. Yeah, we didn't talk about that quite as much, but the actual weapon placement is a little bit better. Yeah. Like, we didn't call out every instance of where there's new items because it would be exhausting. <laughs> um, but they do, they are better and make more sense. Yeah, yeah. so we, uh, you know... There was a document that I referenced a lot in making the and making the notes for this kind of like combining my own notes with uh, the the internet at large. There's like a big Google Doc that has like all of the known changes around this, and I called out the ones that felt like they made a change that was appropriate to the area, or you know, just like did something that made more sense with the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah. And we just, yeah, we just didn't mention that, um, you know, as things like those, those individual things, because they're, it's so deep, it's such a small detail, but that's why it's worth pointing out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if we, if we had brought up all those, it, we would have been here forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they did make a big difference to me as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm jealous of people who are playing it for the first time who actually get to pick <laughs> up an item in a place and get information from it <laughs> other than just, you know, an information about another part of the world that has nothing to do with what they're, where they're at. <laughs> um, Clint says via contact, I took your advice scholar over vanilla dark souls too. And I'm glad I did. Um, I feel like I'm playing the finished version of the game. Even if the surprise flexile century and sinners rise made me shit a little. Um, <laughs> I'm back. Make- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, if it's in a bucket, let me know. Um, <laughs> the health cap mechanic spoils half the fun. It removes the ball sweating, nothing to lose rage of repeated Ornstein and smoke kamikaze, my favorite aspect of Dark Souls 1. But there's a silver lining. My epic effigy stinginess led me to co-op a ton uh, just to get my HP pool back. And you can get summoned so fast. Since Dark Souls 2, I made no less than three Sunbro characters in Dark Souls 1. It's my cocaine. <laughs> um, thanks to y'all, I've drunk from the Kool-Aid. I eagerly await Dark Souls 3. For the first time, I'll be playing along as the episodes come out. Super pumped. Bonfireside Chat convinced me to go into Dark Souls 3 spoiler uh, spoiler 3 a spoiler free <laughs> and sell plasma until I can afford a PS4 for Bloodborne. Seems appropriate. Oh. Yeah. Thank you great. very much for the kind words. Uh, it's funny because like we I uh, if it was you Gary and possibly if it was me um or the other way around um that recommendation came before I actually played Dark Souls 2 Scholar of the First Sin. So <laughs> I forget who told Clint to play this version of it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who knows where it was? I I ended up playing it when it came out, but then I had to replay it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just in the. I needed to play something familiar. Yeah, you know, it was that kind of thing, and I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is. Uh, uh, the connectivity is something that we don't spend a lot of time with because we don't do a lot of co-op. But it is like the PvP scene right now is in Dark Souls Two still. Yeah, you know, like people do uh, Dark Souls One PvP, Bloodborne P- uh, PvP is a little bit uh, stillborn. Excuse the. you know the reference or the appropriateness of that Mm -hmm. um but yeah dark souls 2 has has really good pvp and co-op yeah functionality so it it is very fun to get summoned and to summon in that game yeah uh we have one one more response like that derek writes in via the contact form saying i'd only played through the original dark souls when i first embarked on my scholar journey because i got started on the series so late that scholar was announced before i finished the original dark souls after starting scholar i switched uh to complete bloodborne on my new ps4 and derek uh, gave us kind of a rundown of each of the areas in the game um and he told me that we could edit this which we often do uh for a lot of these responses for content um i'm gonna hit kind of the two that were that were kind of highlights out of this mm-hmm. so uh brightstone cove seldora seems like it was designed to terrify arachnophobes walking into an area with passive spiders wasn't enough to lure me into a false sense of security but i was still i was still terrified to get mobbed by them later i hated the mage barrage in the middle of the level but after i got back to <laughs> the back to spider hell i was really enjoying myself being creeped out about the shrine of amana i have the utmost respect for uh true dark souls 2 veterans i can't imagine this area being harder what the fuck my melee character got magical barbecued way too much and ended up despawning enemies before clearing the chasm to the last bonfire i was annoyed because i was having problems with the boss i beat the boss in someone's world but i never got a summon for mine i ended up clearing the area before the boss with my npc summon so i could bring him to the fight I feel mildly justified uh, when I have problems with a boss, but this one felt like it should have been easy. 
Yeah, it's not. Um, we talk about just the second one per- first. Like we talk about this in uh, all. I like. I, I'm fond of saying this, but like, I don't. There aren't really. I don't feel like there's universal difficulties for for Souls bosses. Mm-hmm. You know, like it is. Uh, different bosses will will get different people. Like the example I keep coming back to is when we played Dark Souls Two. Like um, Cole, like at a, at a really hard time with um, Freya, which which I didn't have, but I had a hard time with Vendrick, and Vendrick is considered to be one of the easier bosses in the game but i had a really tough time with it and cole did not and then i just fair is considered to be hard and i just didn't have that hard of a time with it so it just comes down to your play and kind of what you're bringing and then also just rng too like if you get two or three bad patterns in a row it can make a boss feel a lot harder than it is yeah you know so don't feel bad about about thinking the demon of song is hard like you know nobody's judging you i mean there are people judging you but they're shitheads online (laughs) so (laughs) <laughs> yeah ha- have some empathy remember that yeah. you remember your first time exactly yeah. yeah um yeah round us out with emily uh emily says by contact aldia's dialogue suggests that the physical body of men is a result of the lord of light banishing the dark this sounds familiar to me after the chosen undead defeats manis in dark souls one the shards of his splintered body grew into the human daughters so we know that the shards of manis can form into physical beings so take that a step further. What if all humanity, Manus included, are shards of the original uh, Dark Soul that formed into physical beings after the Dark was banished? Um, we've seen what pure humanity looks like in the universe. It's black, intangible, floating, uh, cloud-like voids. I think it's implied that this is humanity's true form and that being a creature of flesh and blood is just a fascinating illusion that we cling to. Linking the flame grants peace and prolongs the flesh and blood illusion a little bit longer. Otherwise, we're destined to return to the nebulous dark. What I still struggle with is Eldia's implied third option, light, dark, or something else entirely. Beyond the scope of light, beyond the reach of dark, what could possibly await us? Eldia asks uh, to look or ask us to look around um, at what has always been presented as the natural order of this universe, the cycle of light and dark. But what's left? Given that Eldia is the scholar of the first sin, would that be chaos? Is chaos the union of dark and fire, or the absence of both? I have no goddamn idea. True to form for the Souls series, this extra content has left me with more questions than answers, but the questioning has been so much fun. So yeah, this um, this makes me curious what's going to happen with Dark Souls 3, because from the things I've seen, and Gary, I've peaked, um, mm-hmm. from the things I've seen and kind of a little, uh, few of the interviews that I've read, the link between 2 and 3 is going to be closer than the link between 1 and 2. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really interesting, because I, I didn't want them to do the deus ex 2 thing and just sweep it under the rug mm-hmm. you know uh, like it's a, it's a well or a little light sequel let's pretend it doesn't exist um mm-hmm. so i'm really happy about that the um so the emily's response the first part of it um she doesn't she is referencing this i think but doesn't quite draw the line is that um the idea that uh humanity is always part of people and that's always been part of dark souls one um her idea what i think what she's saying is that Elia's dialogue lends the idea that it's literally an illusion mm-hmm. um, because there, he has a lot of lines about that of like this, this, this frail illusion of, of life that people cling to and the like, like he has lines that specifically reference it. Yeah. Um, so I think and that that's a really cool idea. Like having this as, as opposed to being, cause we get, you get, so you get lured into this sense of, I don't have to consider dark souls one in the light of dark souls two, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, but if you do, like it does open up some, some interesting thoughts. Um, and because there are fewer, there are unanswered questions in Dark Souls One, mm-hmm. um, but they're not like they are. There are a lot of tantalizing mysteries, but there are theories for them. Yeah, you know, it's not as open and shut as as Bloodborne. There are fewer questions I don't actually think have answers, which mm-hmm. is the Dark Souls 
two thing. There are more things that have kind of a leading theory, but there are lots of different answers. Yeah. And the the Aldia dialogue does lean, you know, can help kind of tip those scales. <laughs> I think it's it's kind of funny, right? Because like the uh, at least in Dark Souls one and the narrative that they set up with uh, with 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 the, the 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 souls kind of animating these hollow beings and those hollow beings being the natural state, right? Mm-hmm. Um. The, 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 there are kind of two things that breathe that divine spark into them, right? So there's the idea that everybody is kind of coveting these souls, but also humanity is what makes humans human. That sounds yes. like a goofy statement. So what role does sir, the, like, do the souls serve in this? Yeah, I don't know, other than <laughs> currency. Like, yeah. it doesn't, yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know the answer to that. I will uh, address, like, the final thing. I I always thought that the first sin that Eldia is the scholar of mm-hmm. is linking the fire, mm-hmm. um, is interrupting that cycle at all. And that's the the conclusion, that third way beyond the scope of light, beyond the reach of dark, is him just saying like, yeah, you, you know, the first time you link the fire, it does kind of start this cycle, you know, um, but, you know, after the primordial ooze and the, and, and the like. Mm-hmm. But what if we do a third thing? I don't think it's necessarily chaos. Yeah. Um, I think it is just literally like, hey, let's keep looking. Like yeah. we've, you know, you get these crowns, like we can stop from going hollow mm-hmm. at this point. Like I've done these experiments in immortality. Like I've created these things and in order to keep learning, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't, we don't have to know yet. Yeah. And I, that's the thing I really want from Dark Souls 3. Mm-hmm. Like if, if Dark Souls 3 fails to address that at all, I'm going to be so bummed out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just I want Dark Souls three to bring back a little bit of that like the like those different primordial forces right like you know we talked about how the tomb is about dark and how the uh, um, oh gosh the uh, lost eyes list about is, is about chaos um, mm-hmm. uh, sor- sorcery in the in, in the Duke's archive et cetera and on down the line I or yeah I I just I want that to be addressed like the 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 fact that they added chaos back in like literally the you know the old chaos in uh, frozen a uh, frozen Aleum, uh, Lois. Uh, mm-hmm. just makes me think like man like like i want those forces to have a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a front stage yeah you, you know like those implications it... and then also the fact that aldia seems to be a, a being of chaos right like he is an amalgamation of all of these corrupting forces that we saw in the first game like, yeah I don't branches think, of I, fire I don't, and the like i don't think they made enough hay out of that yeah agreed and you don't really until they bring it back in frozen Ilium lois like you don't really know that you're missing it yeah. you're 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 dealing with such a copy of a copy of a copy that like you know, there's of course they're very far removed from these original kind of elemental forces, mm-hmm. but uh, it would be nice to kind of get some more connection to that. I agree. Yeah. So I'm excited for Dark Souls three. Mm-hmm. Me too. I want to see what it does. Yeah. I want to finish this out. I want to do some fun in. Yeah, let's just fun. You okay? Ah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> don't ask me that. <laughs> Sorry. No. Um, I'm in. I, I don't lie. Um, we don't need to care. Yeah, uh, is this me? Uh, this is you. Okay, uh, so Joel writes in with some just fun via the contact form. I've been wondering about whether uh, others share an aspect of my experience with the Souls games, wherein I begin playing with the intention of maintaining a totally blind first playthrough, but then overwhelmed either with the difficulty of a certain area or perhaps overcome with curiosity regarding an item's function, I search for hints, inevitably leading to spoilers. I'm conflicted about this because often they lead me uh, they lead me uh, down paths that I'm not sure I would have uncovered my on my own. 
but the sense of guilt is somewhat nagging, especially in situations where hints can lead to bigger spoilers than I anticipated. In contrast, I'm not sure these lead to any reduced sense of enjoyment of the game, and a case could be uh, just as easily made that, the, that a better grip on the landscape and story can enhance one's experience. I only looked for a few hints in Bloodborne in contrast to Dark Souls, which was my first game in the series. And one of the things I appreciated at the time was how much of a, uh, was how much of a community effort the game seemed to li- uh, the, the game seemed like, rather, uh, both from the wikis outside the game and the soapstone messages in the game. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, um, like, I, I just do it as a, as a, so you're right, like, spoilers don't actually, like, scientifically don't matter that much um, to can, people. Can you put a link to that in the show notes? Just, just... Yeah, if I, if I can find it. I've seen mm-hmm. it, like, relinked mm-hmm. before, but, like, it, there are studies that show the spoilers don't actually impact enjoyment, mm-hmm. um, which I, I believe. Um, I still try to go in blind because, uh, partly for the show, because I don't want to have interpretations color what I'm doing until I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I also just want, I don't want someone to tell me something I want to try to figure out on my own. Yeah. But then also, like, my my rule is, like, I know I'm going to play these multiple times, see the credits, and then read everything you possibly can. <laughs> yeah. Like, because I know I'm just going to go through it again and actually do the things I missed. Yeah. So. I, I think for me, like, um, I, I also agree, spoilers, eh, whatever. I, I, like, I avoid them out of cur- courtesy because, you know, everybody only gets to experience these things for the first time once. Um, mm-hmm. for me, the bigger deal is kind of like the process of playing. It is learning the size and shape of the game. Yeah. Um, and even like looking at a full list of the area names, even if the names don't mean anything to me, the fact that I will know that there is something called the Duke's archives, how, how evocative is the Duke's archives, right? Yeah. You know, that's an amazing game. Like I'd rather just kind of like walk into that and like learn the implication of it rather than see that on a flow chart or see it in a map or see it in a table of contents. And so, like, that's not so much a hint, right? Like, that's not telling you what a like how to beat a particular enemy, or you know, showing you like, hey, there's going to be this ambush here, which is the purpose that the soapstones, you know, serve, right? Which Mm -hmm. is to you know to warn you about those things. And the game is designed with that community, uh, uh, you know, approach to it. Um, But yeah, just it's kind of those meta things. Like, I don't want to know if I'm about to beat this. (laughs) <laughs> you know, or how far yeah. I am. Like I want the, I want kind of the natural pacing to like lead me through it and kind of like leave me not knowing what to expect, like of what the next beat of the story is going to be or what the next environment is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I also think that um, I don't have as big a problem spoiling mechanical things for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm having a really hard time with a boss, I will watch someone beat him. Yeah. You know, and just see that it's possible and see what they're doing. Yeah, um, I always try it myself. So I get that first blush and I just get the title, like the name, you know, <laughs> like getting impacted with like, oh, like again, like, you know, the Duke's archives, the Duke's dear Freya, like is a really <laughs> evocative name, you know, yeah. um, I, I want that evocative feeling. Yeah. Um, but it, just, I just need that first blush mm-hmm. and then I can move on. That's funny because like I'll watch uh, it's not just for souls, but if I'm having trouble in a game, I will watch somebody successfully doing it just so I can walk into it knowing it's possible. Yeah. I, I, I don't yeah, know, like, I don't know what the psychology is behind that, but it's a wonderful thing about YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that too. And I, I don't got, you know, I don't get that gun shy or, or pissy about walkthroughs in any other series or anything. Mm-hmm. Like if I get stuck and feel frustrated, I'll point myself in the right direction Yeah, because if a game, if that spoils it, like, I mean, there are only certain kinds of games that actually will ruin, mm-hmm. you know? 
Yeah. Um, so at that point, it's what's worse, spoiling this for myself and ruining a little, a little bit of the surprise or never seeing it. You know? Yeah. Or resenting it. Yeah. Like growing to resent this thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And that's that's more of a line that we use on Watch Out for Fireballs. We haven't said it in a while, but like turn to a walkthrough if it means seeing more of a good game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it also applies to souls. I just resist. I don't judge anyone else. I don't judge Joel for doing it. Mm -hmm. I don't think it necessarily will impact your, your play experience negatively. Mm -hmm. I just, for the most part, avoid it. And yeah. it, it's you, you brought up. I just want to see, you know, the skeleton, skeleton Lords, <laughs> um, you know, pop up or to get a text message from me that says, I've, I've seen a boss that will make you just smile with glee. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> I told you that the, the skeleton Lords were like my friend <laughs> Levi sent me the thing that said like skeleton lords so i knew skeleton lords were somewhere in the game and like that did have a fun sense of anticipation mm -hmm. um but i did wouldn't want that for all the bosses yeah you know so um that's what bums me out about like achievements being released for games before they come yeah, out that's easy enough you know? to avoid though i think unless they're oh, unless yeah, it's, it's in a headline it's super easy to avoid but its only purpose is to ruin that specific evocative feeling right oh, yeah. like it doesn't help to know what the achievements are for a game mm -hmm. ahead of time um, unless you specifically want to spoil this one thing, that's the last thing I want to spoil. Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, like if you do it, it you teach your own. Yeah. I mean, if, um, if it gives you motivation to see more of it, I think, I think ultimately uh, something that makes you play more games and play more of the games you play is a good thing. Things that do the opposite are bad things. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Thanks everybody. If you have you. things to say about, uh, Forsaken Castle Kanehurst, hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. What, uh, what are we doing next time? Uh, well, Forsaken, Forsaken Castle, Castle Canehurst. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sleepy <laughs> cool. and hungry. No, I'm, um, I, I'm sleepy yeah. too. It's, it's seven o'clock there. So yeah, that, that, that's where I would end up, uh, saying we have deleted scenes, but we don't. No, we um, don't. So yeah, so yeah. this is just a standalone episode, like the last one actually. Yeah. So, so yeah. when we talk business during our, <laughs> our fun and time. So. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it's one of those things. As we become more business-like, we have to talk about those things. It's true. <laughs> but uh, speaking of that whole thing, uh, thank you so much to everybody who has backed us on Patreon. Uh, that number continues to climb with the uh, revamp that we put out. Uh, the uh, Slack channel is bumping with talk about Dark Souls. We have some people who are just kind of coming to the series for the first time uh, who are in there, and everybody is jumping um, on the opportunity to talk to somebody who is experiencing it for the first time. Mm -hmm. that, that is like sucking experience from uh, somebody like a vampire yeah exactly yeah. Like they've accepted the dark gift the um <laughs> and also uh we sh you should note that our, our patreon is growing and we do have uh kind of some things planned for my future milestone goals as well mm -hmm. um so we had this uh this last one for the live show which was but we also have ones planned in the future and they're cool yeah and i think you guys will be into them mm -hmm. so and we just have to work out the logistics because it's yeah. complicated um yeah, if you want to rate and review the show on iTunes, that's a big help. You can blog it or Twitter it or tell people about it. I'm always happy when I see that. Mm -hmm. um, also, if you would consider backing my book on Kickstarter, um, this is the third episode we've recorded today, so I keep doing the spiel. And it's making me feel self-conscious. <laughs> um, no, if fine. you go to <laughs> duckfeed.tv forward slash souls of darkness, you can uh, find a link to it mm -hmm. and watch the video, which explains it pretty well. It is a uh, fake Worlds of Power book based as if Dark Souls was a Nintendo game. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm pretty close to making my goal. By the time this episode comes out, I might even be there, but <laughs> I have stretch goals for miles and all of them are things I really want to do. Yeah. Um, Kickstarter doesn't allow you to put on stretch goals until you actually make your goal, which is, smart. or I would have put these on there and it would have been, uh, you know, I should have done a penny arcade thing and just a dollar for my thing. And then all yeah, the stretch goals fuck. because, uh, <sighs> I'm human garbage. Uh, 
So yeah. I, I decided not to be human garbage and, and instead be <laughs> honest about it. But it, what it means is I can't entice people with these cool things that <laughs> me and Nick have planned. Yeah. So. so, so yeah, I mean, like, so if you're, if you're kind of curious about that, um, I will say this as somebody who is not involved with the project, I'm not seeing any of the money. I am not, uh, contributing to the work in any way. I'm just tangent tangentially like associated with it. I am a person who backed this just out of wanting to see this thing exist and also wanted to get the cool rewards. So and we'll also, I would encourage I mean, you. Well, good. I'm sorry to, to cut you off. You are involved in uh, one of the stretch goals. Oh yeah. Yeah. Our, I forgot about uh, that, but that's more of like a, like a fun thing that I totally want to do. <laughs> So. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a fake episode of Bonfireside Chat on one of the fake areas from the game. Yep, um, is a is a stretch goal. So me and Cole uh, <laughs> talking about Garbage Gulch, which is where the uh, infant of, infant mother of all spiders, who holds one of the soul orbs, lives. Um, of course, you have to collect the four soul soul orbs to get into the cosmic campfire, where yeah. the where the Callow King rests. Um, it's it's all pretty intense. Yep. The, um, <laughs> the, the 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 point remains though. If you're looking for an outside voice, I am excited about this. Not just because Gary is my friend, but because this seems like a really cool thing that i desperately want to exist i i would have been way into it if i didn't think of it mm-hmm. and i also had when i was i've been sitting on this for like six months planning it and and working on it and getting the logistics lined up and uh i kept being afraid that someone was going to do something similar mm-hmm. and steal thunder um but it's, it's like the the pdf copy of the book is seven bucks and mm-hmm. the physical copy is 17 and the, it comes with a training card in the middle and stuff so it's, it's a pretty decent value yeah. um so if you're at all interested in seeing this uh definitely uh check that out yeah so Deckfeed.tv forward slash souls of darkness. I encourage you. Mm-hmm. Um, what should they uh what should they do until next time other than that? Um, they should seek the third way. Mm-hmm. So the world might be sundered. Give us your answer. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. <laughs>